released for this purpose I am living Jesus you have set me free nothing's gonna hold me back no nothing's gonna keep me down Jesus has set me free and I'm free privilege it is to be gathered this morning and father thank you for the freedom for the liberty 
for the opportunity we have to praise you. Lord, may your name be exalted and may your praises be lifted high in this place. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five? Great to see you this morning. Trust you're doing well. You're looking good. Sounding good. Very cool. God bless you. Well, if you're visiting with us for the first or second time, we give you a very warm welcome this morning. On the way out as you leave the auditorium on the right-hand side, there's a table with some uh, white packs there and a friendly face to greet you. Love for you to take one of those packs and fill in the details. There's a free coffee card also, so feel free to take one of those. So church, can we welcome our visitors this morning? Thank you. That's great. Well, have we had any birthdays or wedding anniversaries over the last week? Can you come and join with me? Any birthdays, wedding anniversaries? Wow, Andrew, how, how many years? Well, no, I won't ask that. I won't ask that. I thought it was an anniversary, but happy birthday. Any other birthdays? Well, this is very special for you today. She gets all the chocolate and all the attention. So church, let's stand and we declare this prayer over Andrea. So here we go. Father, thank you for Andrea. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over her this year. Activate your love and goodness through her. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Awesome. Well, Pastor Sheridan and Jan are on the way home. They've had a wonderful time at the uh, centennial celebrations of the apostolic movement. Uh, in England and uh, with currently in Hong Kong with Grant and Vicky McAllister at their church today. They're preaching there and uh, Sheridan sent me a text overnight and he said they're looking forward to being home. They've had a wonderful time away but miss you all, send their love and regards and uh, we'll be here next weekend so that's wonderful. Well it's my pleasure to invite Nicole. She's going to share about an event coming up. Thanks Nicole. Thanks, Ray. Um, so not this Thursday, but the following. So that's Thursday the 18th. Here at church, we've got Mark Powell coming to speak. Now, for those of you that don't know, Mark Powell was the CEO of the Warehouse Group. And he's really coming to share with us his story. And for all of us, I know we're wanting to be spheres of influence in the area that we work. And so this is going to be an awesome opportunity to hear from someone who's led such a large organisation in New Zealand about how he's done it, how he's been able to be um, an influencer um, for, I guess, well, he describes it as being um, setting, managing ethical and moral standards. And so I think it'll be some, a great event for us all to come to, hear from someone who's done an amazing job um, in a New Zealand business. So a great event to bring your friends along to, um, to hear about as well. Um, the entry is free of charge too, so it makes it even better. So uh, the time is 7.30, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday the 18th. Come along and be inspired. Thanks very much, Nicole. That's great. And on uh, the 10th, Wednesday the 10th, we have Rob Berg here. He's a singer-songwriter. He'll be uh, performing at 7 p.m. on the 10th. Really encourage you to come along, bring your friends. He's an amazing musician with an absolute passion and heart for God, so you won't be disappointed in hearing him. Also, on the 20th of August, we have Pastor Ian Green. You remember Ian from last year and the year before, and uh, he will be with us on the 20th of August on that Sunday. So that's fast approaching. And uh, guess what? On the 21st, 22nd of um, 
August, which is not far away. Wendy and I leave for our sabbatical. So uh, that's coming up very, very quickly. But we're looking forward to a wonderful time away and equally looking forward to a time of seeing you back when we return as well. So, uh, so that's very cool. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Lance. He's going to come and read Psalm 54. Just before Lance does come. <laughs> don't, don't you like doing that? <laughs> you can do it with mates. Uh, who enjoys hearing the Psalms being read? Aren't they good? I, I love the, the whole diversity of emotion and spectrum that the psalmists write with. Some of them are very low and very challenging, and, and, and life is in such a desperate place in, in the real valleys of life. And others are on the mountaintops in victory, but we get this full um, spectrum, which is just so good to reflect upon. So let's give Lance a warm welcome now as he comes and read Psalm 54. You don't want me to sit down again. Psalm 54. Um, this is uh, the time that the Ziphites came to Saul and uh, they said to Saul, we know where David is hiding. Um, so David is really, really crying out to the Lord. Come with great power, O God, and rescue me. Defend me from your might. Listen to my prayer, O God. Pay attention to my plea. For strangers are attacking me. Violent people are trying to kill me. They care nothing for God. But God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. May the evil plans of my enemies be turned against them. Do as you promised. Put an end to them. I will sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. I praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For you have rescued me from my troubles and helped me to triumph over my enemies. He's going to share communion. Thanks, Tim. I love this. Um, God will help me triumph over my enemies. Uh, yeah, so I am Tim. And for you guys that don't know me, that I get to, uh, shameless plug, but I get the awesome privilege to look after the greatest bunch of kids uh, I believe ever out, out, out in kids' church. It's just, we, we love it. Uh, so yeah, this morning I wanted to um, to share a bit of a, uh, I guess a struggle that I've had since I've been a Christian and, and a picture that God showed me. So the struggle is that I would, um, when I came to God, 
I, I, I felt like I crossed over this line from death to life. And that, and, that, and that was an awesome thing because I'm a Christian, I'm alive. But who's had those, those bad days or those bad months and those bad years where, where things haven't gone right, your thought life isn't great, or, or it was maybe you haven't even read your Bible in a week and you sort of think like, well, maybe I've crossed back over the line, you know? And so it, question, it caused me to question the uh, authenticity of my faith and therefore my salvation. So I think, well, I better get my life right with God because I don't want to die while I'm in this place of not really sure if I'm saved or not. Uh, but yeah, I really want to share this picture with you. Uh, and instead of just telling you, I just really want to, want to show you. And uh, because I'm a kids' church leader, I have a prop and a volunteer. Owen, he didn't really volunteer, I just made him do it. So, <laughs> so I've got this line here, and uh, I'm on this side of the line, so you could say that uh, I represent us, our, our humanity and our sin, and, and Owen, he's going to stand on this side of the line. Uh, Owen is God, or Jesus, you know. Yeah, a rep- we're going to say representation, because I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures of Jesus, but he usually has a little more hair. <laughs> Just a little. I think he's got a little bit of a beard there, so that's cool. Okay, so so we've got this uh, we've got this picture, uh, I guess, of me on this side of the line and God on this side of the line. Well, actually, to start with, God is what do we say across a chasm? We can't get to God; He is too far away. But God came to us in Romans five eight. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, this should have been my first clue that, that my salvation and my faith is more about what God has done and not about what I have done. So, so God has come to us. He's died on a cross. He's raised from the dead, okay? So that he has paid for all sins, for all mankind, for all time. Does that mean that all of us, all mankind has free entry into heaven? No, well, the Bible doesn't say that. It says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, God wants uh, a people who, who just, I guess, a people who seek him, a people who trust him, and a people who put their faith in him. So this is where my... my I guess my struggles begin is because I became a Christian and so I crossed over from death to life. And then, uh, Jesus is with me, sweet. And then I'd have these, you know, I'm as, I'm as human and as messed up as anyone, okay? And sometimes that would rear its ugly head and, and whatever that was, maybe I haven't read my Bible for a week or maybe I haven't uh, prayed, or maybe I've watched too many episodes of Baywatch and my thought life isn't very good, or however that looks. But I think, oh, am I really a Christian? I, I've crossed back over the line. And so I thought, oh, I better get my life right with God again. So I go, God, just, just please forgive me. Sorry for my thought life. Sorry for not, not spending more time with you. And get my life right with God. But then, then this, this pattern just could continue forever and ever, you know, like this. And I was riding along on my, <laughs> on my motorbike one day <laughs> down the farm, and God showed me this picture really, really clearly that it said, this, this is not how salvation works. This is what happened when you accepted me. 
The line doesn't exist. My sins are as far from the east as from the west. Okay? So this, like I said, Christ came to us while we were still his enemies. My salvation is not about me being good. It's not about my behavior. That is religion. Is it about, it is exactly, it is what Christ has done for me. So we still have those bad days. So I'm with God, it's good, and then I have a bad week. And I, I don't know, my thought life, or, or I'm not praying, or... <laughs> is that what God does? He walks with you? Yeah, yeah. That is, that is good, but it's really bad for illustration. <laughs> okay, so... And so we... <laughs> and so we have this... This, 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 this thing where I've, I've kind of feel like, well, I don't feel God close to me, okay? Uh, but I'm still saved. Where's God? Why don't I feel Him close to me in, the, in these times where I've sort of my, uh, like I haven't prayed or my thought life's not great or whatever's going on in my life where I've sort of, you know, we have busy weeks and, and, and I haven't spent enough time with God. Where's God? He hasn't moved. He's still there. I have. I've moved. I've walked away. I've not spent my time with him that I should have. I haven't prayed like I should have. But he's still there, waiting for us, always present. So that, this is the picture that God showed me that I really wanted to share with you guys this morning. Uh, and so as we take communion this morning, big hand for Owen. He's really, really cool. Thanks, Owen. Is there that Christ died for us while we were still sinners he came to us and our salvation is about what he has done it is about trusting in him and it is not about our behavior or our ability to be good or not to be good as soon as you turn your faith into that it's religion not christianity we just follow christ with everything we have when we uh with everything we have all the time and if it it doesn't always work out then then we just go back to Him. It doesn't affect our salvation. So I'll just, I'll just pray and then we'll, we'll take communion together. So Lord God, I just want to thank you and praise you, Lord God. Because you died on a cross to pay a debt that I could not afford. And you died on the cross to give me a gift that I do not deserve, eternal life, relationship with you, Lord God. So I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord God. And we're just, just reminded of how amazing you are this morning as we, as we think about you, as we remember you, as we take communion, Lord God. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Place, knowing that 
he never leaves us, knowing that whether we turn this way or that way, he's right there. So there's truth in what Owen was adding to the illustration as well. So although we turn away, he's still right here. That's the God that we serve, and that's the love that he had for us, that he died for us while we were yet running in completely the opposite direction, cursing him and doing our own thing. That is the God that we serve. His incredible love. So do you want to stand to your feet? I'm just going to sing.
me too. 
Father, thank you for the privilege to be in your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. Can I invite you, church, to raise your hands, maybe close your eyes, whatever you're comfortable with. Begin to take the opportunity to, in your attitude of heart and in your mouth, in your mind, is to honor the Lord. He's an awesome God. As we've heard around communion, He saved us not because we are good, but because He is good. He loves us not because we first loved Him, but because He is love and He absolutely loves us with an everlasting love. He's faithful to us not because we're faithful to Him, but because He is faithful. He's generous, extravagantly generous toward us. Not because we're that way to Him, but because that's His way to us. And so, Lord, we honor You this morning. We lift You up. We thank You for the incredible sacrifice of Jesus, for His death and His resurrection. We thank You that as Christ raised from the dead, so we have been risen with Him. We have new life. We thank You, Lord, for the outpouring of Your Holy Spirit that, Lord, refreshes us and encourages us and shapes us and molds us more and more into the image of Jesus. Lord, we honor you. We honor you. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you this morning, church, with a thought that you're probably not too familiar with. But God honors you. He honors you. Because you're his child. He believes in you because you're his son and his daughter. He holds you close to him because he cares about you. And he's promised he will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you, for he loves you. Father, thank you for the awesome God you are. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you, Lord. With every part of our being, Lord, we lift you up and worship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good to do, church? Yeah. Yeah. God bless. Take a seat. Um, I want to share this with you. You've heard me say it before. And... Uh, I want to, to really encourage us to be a people, I know we are, but to encourage us to continue to be a people that honor one another above ourselves. And, and I want to say to you this morning, I honor you all above myself. And um, I've shared this before, and uh, probably about five years ago, I was reading through uh, Exodus, and of course there are the commandments, um, children, honor your mum and dad, honor your parents, that it may go well for you. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I've done a good job in teaching our children to honor Wendy and I. And I thought if I said to them, well, kids, I've decided you need to honor mum and I. They'll go, yeah, right, dad. I can tell you what you can do with that. And I thought, Lord, there's going to be a better way because honor that's demanded is not honor at all. Honor that's given freely is the only true form of honor. And so what I decided to do, Wendy and I discussed this, and we thought around birthday times, we're going to have the opportunity to honor one another. 
And um, so I'm going to train my children what it is to be honoured. And hopefully out of that, they'll learn to honour Wendy and I. And uh, so we began to do that. It was our children's birthday and I had our little green book, as I call it. And we'd go around the room and we'd be honouring one another what we'd like about them and encourage them. Of course, there was always one or two funny comments there as well. But it was good fun and just writing these things down. And over the years, it's good to look back over this book and just see these nice comments that have been written about one another. And um, the contrast was made really clear to me yesterday. We were celebrating an 80th birthday party, a lovely friend. Um, her lady is Mary. Um, and she's a person that makes family friends and friends family. And we feel that we're part of her family just by the way she's been so generous to our family over the years. And we were down in Napier uh, seeing her yesterday. And we're going to leave at 3 o'clock. We didn't get home to midnight because of the Napier Taupo Road being closed and the Desert Road being closed. It was a long drive. But Mary said, I said to Mary, we've got to go now. And she said, before you go, I'm, I'm going to honor you. And I said, oh, Mary, please, please don't do that. You know, don't it. She said, no, you can't stop me. I'm going to do it. And, and Mary's a very feisty, lovely, sprightly 80-year-old woman. So here she is, and she's kindly honoring Wendy and I and our family. And, of course, we respond in like mine. And it was just a beautiful moment. It feels so good when you lift up others. And uh, it was just wonderful. By contrast, I, I met with um, some other people later that day, and they weren't honoring one another. And it was just like a wet blanket that was over the atmosphere at times. And I couldn't help think about the difference of honoring one another and where it's not honoring one another. And I want to encourage us, and I thank you, church, for the atmosphere of honor that dwells amongst us. And it's not, as I said, forced, because that's not true honor, but when it's freely given, it lifts, and it's just a wonderful environment. So I really encourage us, let's continue to be the house of honor and build on that, because it's good and it honors God. Do I have an amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. Well, it's my absolute privilege and pleasure this morning to invite Chris Hubbard. Chris is the CEO of ATC and a wonderful person. He's doing a great job. And uh, it's great to have you this morning, Chris. So feel free to come and share the Word of God with us. It's always hard when you get a good introduction, you've got to live up to it then. <clears throat> I uh, trying out last night because you prepare your sermon on your laptop or your computer, you know. And uh, I thought, oh, I can't preach from that. That's too awkward. So I'll I'll do it from the iPad. Everyone's doing it from the iPad, so. And I thought, oh, I'll just try my phone. And I found the phone was the easiest thing, so I'm going to okay. yeah, go for the phone. <clears throat> don't we sort of look, live by little screens, don't we? You know, I look at the reasonable-sized screen at work, and I go home and check the little screen for what I'm going to do next, then go home and watch the big screen, and then uh, read the Bible on my little screen and go to bed and get up and, you know, we watch the big screen at church. And... Anyway, I've titled this word, God Said. <clears throat> In the beginning, in Genesis 1.1, it said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 3, it said, God said, light be, and light was. Because God, what God says happens, doesn't it? And then God said, and then God said, and then God said, and then God said, and then God said. And he said seven times things over those six days, and the, the earth, and the sun, and the moon, and all the stars got created, and all the plants on the earth, and all the green herbs and everything else it talks about, and all the fish of the sea, and all the beasts of the land, and 
and mankind as well, and everything that we know got created because God said, right? And God said something that comes to pass. He's got the power to make whatever he says happen. And when God says something, we don't doubt it. In Isaiah 55, in verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It will not return to me void. Every single word that God says happens. Every single word that God says has power to accomplish what it says. He doesn't have an idle conversation. He can't make a flippant comment because it'll happen. You know, it's not like us. He can't have an angry moment and say, oh, damn that earth. It's going to be damned, isn't it? Unlike us. We're created in God's image. We say things. We affect people around us. We affect ourselves, don't we? Every time we say, oh, you know, I'm useless, well, I feel useless, don't I? Every time I tell someone you can't do that, then they feel like they can't. Every time I say that God's word doesn't work, I don't get the blessing. You know, our words have power. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We're created in God's image. He is a, a, a God who speaks forth reality. And we need to take a similar attitude, don't we? God's word have real power. In Isaiah 55, it said, It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. Talking about his word. But I love what the message says here. They will not come back empty. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. That every, every word that God speaks has an assignment, has a mission. It goes forth and it doesn't come back. It's like it's scared to come back to God unless I've finished what I've been sent to do. You know, God's words have assignments that go out for us. You know, in the Old Testament, I read people like Abraham. And Abraham, you know, got promised a child that his descendants would be like the stars of the sky and, and the sand on the seashore. You won't be able to count them. And he's 99 years old after believing God for about 20 years for this child. And he hasn't seen anything in the natural and still believing God. And God decided to come down and give him a hand. So he came down and said, Abram, because it was his name in the time. Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. Basically, I'm going to change your name to the father of many nations. So every time you, and you say hello to someone, it's, hi, I'm father of many nations. Every time your servants come to you, say, Abraham, uh, father of many nations, what are we going to do with this flock? Sarah comes to him, father of many nations, tea time. You know, every time his name got mentioned, it's father of many nations, father of many nations. He had been believing for a child for 20 years, and within one year, Isaac was born. It takes nine months to conceive to birth. That means within three months, it changed after 20 years. By confessing what God had said, he got the promise. The power of God's word on our lips. Moses went to uh, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He bowls in. He's got this staff that turns into a snake and gobbles up the other staffs and so forth. And, you know, he pulls his hand out of his jacket and it's got leprosy on it and it disappears again and so on. And he expects this great thing to go because, you know, he's had God appear to him with this burning bush and all this great stuff. And Pharaoh says, go away, don't believe it, don't want to know about it, get lost. He goes outside and all the people have got to work harder now. They have to go and gather their own straw and they're saying, we don't want you to lead us, we don't even want you here. What are you doing? You're making our life harder. Yeah, great word of God, but everything <laughs> fell to bits. No one wanted him. But he hung in on that word. He hung in on that word and believed God and great and miraculous stuff happened and he delivered those people out of Egypt. And then Joshua took over from Moses 
And the first things that uh, God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, not your eyes, your mouth. You will speak it forth. And you'll meditate in it day and night and make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Same with us, isn't it? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful. It's alive. And sometimes we take it as a, just almost a normal word. It's there with its mission, its assignment to fulfill itself. In the New Testament, we start off with salvation, don't we? We confess the word and believe and receive. In Romans 1.16 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When we go forth and say what Jesus has done, we go forth and preach the word to those around us. For God, you know, loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're putting forth the word of God and it has an assignment and mission to accomplish what it's put out there for and the power to achieve it. God's word has spiritual substance, doesn't it? It comes out alive, produces life. In Mark 14, Mark 4, 14, sorry, we have the parable of the sower, and it says the sower goes out and sows the word. The word of God is like a seed that goes into our hearts. In verse 15, it says it's sown in our hearts, in our spirits, if you like. We have like a piece of ground, a spiritual piece of ground inside us, that when the word of God comes in, it produces the faith from that seed that goes into us to receive the promise that he gave us. It produces the power in us to grab, grab hold of what he's given us. It has, if you like, the spiritual DNA inside it to create what it's designed to create. The word creates the faith in our hearts to receive the promises of God, whatever that promise might be. Whatever that seed's DNA is, that's what it'll produce. The power to change the natural world to conform to the spiritual world. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's by his word that will come to pass. Jesus went out and preached to the people and the word produced faith in them and great miracles were done. And Romans, because Romans 10, 17 says, though, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what creates it. So all things are possible to him who believes in Mark 9, 23, isn't it? But I just want to share three quick things about the word of God, just from the stories in the Bible. Because a lot of us have mountains that come up before us. Things that rise up before us that try and put us off the path. Things that try and make us feel small. Try and challenge our life. And we need to know how to remove those mountains out of the way. Don't we? The first thing I want to bring out is guard yourself against doubt. Guard yourself against doubt. Mark 5, 21 to 42. The disciples and Jesus come back across the sea in the boat. And they land on the, on the shore, and a great crowd gathers. And Jairus comes up, who one of the leaders of the synagogue. And he comes to Jesus, and he begs him. He said, look, my, my daughter, she's only about 12. She's lying at home. She's almost to the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus sees his faith and follows him and goes with him. And partway along the road, some friends of Jairus come, come to him, and, and they say, look, I'm sorry, Jairus, don't bother the, te the teacher anymore. Your daughter's passed away. Your daughter's dead. It it's too late. Immediately as Jesus hears that word, he says to him, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. When the circumstances come against us and doubt tries to come, we have to not be afraid, but only believe. And Jesus had to get rid of the doubt out of the situation 
and he wouldn't let anyone follow him from that point onwards except for Matthew, Mark, and, no, sorry, um, Peter, John, James, and John. I'm starting to quote the, the Bible here. Um, and Jairus. So just the five of them went forward, and everyone else stayed back. Had to move the doubt out of his life. We're believing for a miracle here. We can't have that around. He gets to the home, and there's all these people mourning and crying. And so he says, why are you, why are you weeping? She's not dead. She's just asleep. And they all laugh, him, laugh at him and ridicule him. He puts them all out. Again, he removes all the doubt and just goes in with the three disciples and the mother and father. And he lays his hand on her and tells her to arise and she comes back to life. But he had to fight the doubt all the way. He had to remove the doubt all the way and stay with the word of God, stay with the promise. That's the first thing. Don't speak out the problems. Don't let the doubt come in. The doubt will come against your mind all the time. It does in all of us, doesn't it? But what do we do with it? Do we plant it? We take a hold of it and say, oh, yeah, that's true. No, I won't be able to do that and plant that seed in next to the word of God. In the parable of the sower, the seed grows up. The second to last type of ground we have is the ones where the seed grows up in the word of God, but the other cares of this world and everything come in and choke the word and we don't get the fruit. You've got to weed the garden. You've got to not let those other doubt seeds go in. Number two, don't make circumstances your theology. Partway along the road with, uh, when he's going with Jairus, there's a woman with an issue of blood. She'd, had, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. I can't imagine how tiring and, and wearing out that would be over 12 years. You'd spend everything you have on going to physicians. Every doctor that you can find, can you heal me? I'll, I'll pay you and so on. But nothing, none, of, none of them had been able to make her better. She could easily have said, oh, it's been 12 years. Obviously, God doesn't want to heal me. Obviously, healing's not for me today. Obviously, there's something I'm trying to be taught through this. Probably somehow I've got a thorn in the flesh and somehow God's doing something special here. But she didn't take that theology. She didn't make the circumstances her theology. She looked forward and said, the word of God is enough for me. Jesus is the word of God. If I can just touch the word of God, that's enough for me and I will be healed. And she reached forward and touched the hem of his garment and instantly was healed. Because she said, the word is enough. The word is sufficient. The word can change those things, can't it? I remember when I was about 18, fortunately I still remember back that far, um, I hadn't been a Christian very long, two or three months, and uh, I went around to some friend's place and uh, we were playing frisbee and someone threw it to me and it went too high and went over the fence, so I jumped over, the, well, climbed over the fence, don't jump six-foot fences, um, climbed over the fence, got the frisbee, threw it back, jumped off the top of the fence back onto the grass, not realising there's a bit of a hollow in part of the grass, came down on my left ankle, just twisted, and I heard this loud snap sound and uh, fell on the ground. And I thought, that didn't sound good, and it doesn't feel good either. And I thought, I'm pretty positive I just broke my ankle. You know all the crazy things you do in your life and you break it playing frisbee? It's not, a, it's not an impressive story. Anyway, I'm laying on the ground, and fortunately, I really praise God, there was a couple of really on-fire people who believed in the word that had inspired me about believing for healing right at the start of my Christian walk. And um, I thought, oh, all I've got to do is claim the word, you know, by whose stripes I've been healed, 1 Peter 2.24. I can, I can just leap up right here and I'm going to get miraculously healed in front of all my non-Christian mates and that's going to be glory to God and it's brilliant. And so I leapt up on my feet, thanking God for my healing, and silently in my mind, of course. Um, and I thought, that's great. I got to my feet. And then I fell on the ground in pain. I thought, 
well, God's word's true. I must have missed it. I either don't have the faith or I don't know how to exercise it right somehow. I thought, oh, what do I do? And everyone's looking at me and I quickly thought, oh, I know what I did. I got up putting the weight mostly on my good leg. That's not faith. Right? If I really believe I'm healed, I'm going to leap up putting weight on both feet or more, more weight on the bad leg, you know? You're going to go for it, you're going to go for it, right? So I leapt up again, praising God, trusting in his word. And you know what happened? I didn't get as high as the first time. <laughs> I collapsed on the ground in pain, in excruciating pain. I thought two times might be enough. <clears throat> so I hobbled back to the deck and uh, got a friend of mine. Well, actually, while I was looking, I, I, I didn't know skin could stretch that far. You know, you had this big fat ankle and it's not looking good. So anyway, I got a friend of mine to drive me to the doctor. This is rural New Zealand decades ago, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. You've got to find the emergency doctor and all that sort of thing. No hospital in the area. And uh, find the doctor, go in, and he has a quick look at it and says, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's broken. Come back tomorrow and we'll have an X-ray. You know, so no pain, not even an aspirin, you know, you, no bandage and nothing. Just come back tomorrow, you know, you know. You do it tough in those days. I got a couple of hours sleep that night, I think. Came back the next day, went and got an X-ray, came back, had a look at the X-ray, and I thought, no, I don't have any medical uh, understanding, but there was this big black line, jagged black line, because it was pretty obviously broken, you know. Put a plaster on, I went out with my crutches. This was three weeks before the Christmas holidays, and I had a plan to go away with some mates. And, you know, when you go to the beach <laughs> and you're going to enjoy the sun and the surf and you've got a plaster on with crutches, it's not fun. And I thought, God, I don't want, I don't want that, you know. And I was just mulling this over in my mind the next few days and I thought, you know, I didn't somehow have the faith or know how to get that miraculous healing done on the day, but I don't have to give up now. I can still believe in your word. Your word's still true. Your word is always true, you know. If I miss it, I miss it. When my kids are learning to walk, I don't tell them off because they fall over a few times. I think, great, you gave it a go. Get up, you'll get it right. So I got back into the Word and I was feeding on the Word and feeding on its promises and so forth. And then after, you know, you know I thought, if I'm, after about three days, I, if I'm healed, then I can walk on it, you know. I'm walking on this. <laughs> I couldn't take much weight on that ankle, it hurt, I tell you. And, um, so, but, you know, God's Word is true. And anyway, after about a week, you know, I, I got into my van that I had and it was all the pain I could hack to put the clutch down. But, you know, I'm going to go for this. You know, I'm healed. After two weeks, I'm just walking around like this. You know? The only difference was I had this plaster on my foot that completely, the bottom of it completely broken away. So I had this like bare foot on the ground, but this <laughs> plaster around my leg. So I went back to the doctors and, and uh, said, look, I need to see the doctor and so forth. This nurse told me off very quickly and told me to get back in my crutches. And she was one of those nurses you do not, you know, disobey. So I did. Uh, so I went and saw the doctor and, and he said, look, there's no way in two weeks that your ankle is healed. Uh, you're really not doing any service to the ankle. You need to stay off it. We're going to put another plaster on and you just need to do as you're told. Six or eight weeks at least. And I'm just praying inside myself that God... I'm not going to get another plaster on here. I'm not going to argue with the doctor, but I thank you for what you're doing. We know it's healed. You and I know it's healed. And this is going to happen. And as he's cutting off the old plaster, he said, oh, while we're here, I think we just send it down for another x-ray. So I thought, thank you, God. I know it's healed, and that's going to prove it to him. So he sent me down for another x-ray. I had a look on the way back, you know, and I thought, where's that break? I couldn't, I couldn't see a single thing right. I couldn't see any thick piece of line, any 
I couldn't see anything there except for just normal. And I uh, came back in, and the nurse came in and had a look, and she said, oh, it's weird, there's no, there's no bone scar tissue, there's, no, there's no nothing there. And anyway, the doctor came back and had a look, and said, oh, uh, oh, oh. Look, if you ever have any problems, come back and see me. But <laughs> So I walked out, I walked out, you know. And, and in some ways it's good because I've got these x-rays before and after, you know, it's proving that it happened. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it doesn't happen in our way. It doesn't matter if I didn't have the faith to have some miraculous healing on the spot. You just stay with God's word and it always comes true. It's got an assignment. It's got a mission to accomplish what it says. And it's not about me. It's about the word, you know. So anyway, the third point I want to bring out, just and I'm going to finish off with this. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. In Matthew 14, 25 to 32... Jesus sends his disciples across to the other side of the lake uh, in the evening and he goes off to pray. And at midnight he decides, oh, I'm going to catch up to them or pass them or jump on the boat. I'm not quite sure what he was going to do. But he's walking on the water. And the disciples see him and said, freak out because, oh, it's a ghost. And he said, oh, no, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter, who I always admire, because if I was in that boat, I wouldn't have been Peter. I would have been one of the other 11 saying, well, you go for it, Peter, and I'll watch and see if you, it works for you first, you know. Anyway, he says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus turns around and says, come. One word, four letters, C-O-M-E. One little word was enough to give faith in his heart to do that miracle of walking on that water. One word from God is sufficient. And so he gets out of the boat and, you know, he stands on the water and it takes his weight. And that's amazing. But then he has that second decision he has to make. He's still hanging on to the boat. That boat is his security. That boat is his circumstances. That boat is his safety. That boat is all that he's known. As a fisherman, that's, his, that's the thing that keeps you alive. And I have to make a decision to go for Jesus. I have to make a decision that this is all that I've got. You know, when you're going for faith, you can't have a plan B because if you plan to plan B, you don't believe in plan A. And that's the scary bit. You know? And he had to say, I'm going out fully on Jesus. I'm going out fully for the Word of God. And I'm just going to keep my focus on the Word of God and I'm okay. And he walked out there and he got most of the way to Jesus and he left the boat behind and he said, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then right at the last minute before he got to Jesus, he looked away and saw the wind and the waves and he started to fear and started to sink because he looked at the circumstances. He looked at the problem instead of looking at the word. Right? And that doubt started to block his faith from working. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him and pulled him up and said, why did you doubt you have little faith? Because the word was enough. He did this mighty miracle, didn't it? But the point I want to bring out is that when, when Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come, Jesus didn't turn around and said, Ah, oh, look, sorry, this, this type of miracle only happens by prayer and fasting. You know? He didn't turn around and said, Look, you've had a few bad thoughts lately, Peter, but you're not really worthy of this, this particular miracle. When you get really holy, you'll be able to do this stuff. He didn't say you haven't read the Bible enough. He didn't say anything about Peter whatsoever because it wasn't about Peter. It's about the Word of God. Anyone who gets healed is not a better person than someone else. It's not because they've been more righteous and more holy and been serving the church more. It's because they believed. Right? It's not about us. The devil will try and make you feel unworthy, but it's all about the Word. It's all about what Jesus did. It's all about what God said. Okay, not about us. We just have to believe. Just have to believe. 
He stepped out, kept his eyes on the word, and all of that changed, didn't he? Now, I've said all of that to get to a simple point because I always like to make a point to it and a challenge in the end. Many of us here this morning will probably have challenges that have risen up before us. There might be pain, there might be sickness, there might be disease, there might be a financial need, there might be some other thing that's trying to just pull us aside, trying to pull us down, hold us back. You know, those challenges that come in life. And we all get challenges in our lives. It's what we do when they come at this point. The psalm said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. all right? The word of the Lord. So I just wondered, if you've, got a challenge like, if you've got a challenge come against you this morning like that, I just want to, and it's probably easier if we just all close our eyes so you can think about it, think about a scripture, think about a promise that covers your particular challenge. Think about a single promise to Peter that was one word was sufficient to walk on the water. That's if you've got your challenge this morning and think about one promise, it might be Matthew 8, 17, you know, that he took our sicknesses and bore our infirmities. It might be 2 Timothy 1, 7, that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind if it's anxiety and things that are coming against you. It might be something else. One word, one promise. And just to God this morning, I just wondered if you feel to, just put your hand to God and say, God, your word is sufficient. From this day forward, I'm going to just trust in your word. I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm not talking about what you do after this, but I'm saying you're going to trust in the word. You're going to say, I'm going to speak forth your word. I'm going to resist those seeds of doubt coming into my heart. Lord, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get the, get the end of that. It doesn't matter whether you go to the doctor and trust in God through that. It doesn't matter if you don't. It doesn't matter if you go to the bank for a loan. But you know, whatever you do, trust in God for that, that you're going to say, your word is sufficient. If that resonates with you, then just make the decision today. So I'm just making a physical action to say, I'm going to trust in your word going forth, Lord. And this mountain is going to move. This mountain is going to be chucked into the sea. This mountain is going to move because it's not about me. It's about your word and you've promised it to me. In Jesus' name. Now, if you've thought that and you connected with that, I just want to pray together as brothers and sisters and agree together in Christ. Because where two or three are gathered in the, in the midst, there is he in the midst, and he will do that. Amen? Amen? So, let's pray together. So that's you. Just put your hand in the air, and we'll just pray together right now. And we'll just come against that circumstances and trust God and his word that he will deliver you from that in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word created the universe. Your word created everything that we know and see. Your word runs and corrects and maintains all that we understand and your word is powerful and living and powerful and sharper than our two-edged sword lord we just thank you for the promises right here this morning working in everyone's life we thank you for the deliverance we thank you for the healings we thank you for the supply we thank you for the provision in jesus name we'd agree together right now for that and receive it father in the name of jesus amen amen and just while everyone's eyes are closed, I just want to give an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you haven't come to know his wonderful power, his wonderful love, how glorious the Savior he is, how he's paid for your sins and delivered you from all the darkness. If you don't know that this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him right now. If you want to receive him, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If you want to receive him, and this is not about joining the church. This is not about answering to me. This is about saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life this morning. 
If that's you, if that resonates with you, if your heart's beating a little bit faster than normal, then I just, I just ask you to raise your hand right now, and I'll acknowledge that. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, then I just want to do that. It may be that everyone's saved here this morning and going on with him, and that's great. But if you're not, just give me a hand and I'll, I'll pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. See that hand. Hallelujah. He's a glorious God, and I just love being a Christian. I know everyone else does here does too. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Amen. Well, I wonder if we could just all pray together then a simple prayer in receiving Jesus. We can all pray it together. And if you want to repeat after me, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead. I confess that you are my Lord, my Savior, my God in whom I trust. I receive your salvation from this moment forward. I will live for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Chris. Great word. Very encouraging. Wasn't that uplifting? Yeah, excellent. Well done. Praise God. Well, this morning, if you have children, the take-home question is, what dreams do you have for the future? What dreams do you have for the future? For the next four weeks, the focus is on leadership, so have a great discussion. And uh, dads, don't say, go and ask your mum. Be part of that family discussion, and that would be great. Excellent. Well, this evening, I'm speaking on change. So there we go. Um, as you leave, if you're a, a guest, feel free to pick up a white uh, envelope, a white bag, and uh, from the host team, they would love to share that with you. And if you can give us a few of your details, that would be wonderful too. And encourage us, let us be purposed in our giving as we give uh, this morning. Um, we're giving to God. We're sowing into the purposes of God. And isn't it wonderful to invest into the things of the kingdom of God? It truly is, and I thank the Lord for the opportunity that we do have to invest into His kingdom and the wonderful things that He is doing. So that's wonderful. Well, I think it'd be really good maybe if we ended with a song. So that's fantastic. Doesn't Marilyn and Caleb and the team do an awesome job? Yeah, they do. I was, I was thinking this morning, they sing really nicely, don't they? <laughs> they do. They sing good. I'm just pleased it's not me singing. <laughs> because that wouldn't be good. But that's okay. I can rap, can't I, Owen? Yeah, I can rap. So why don't you uh, stand? and uh, First of all, I'll pray God's blessing over our giving and then the team can lead us. So, Father, thank you for this wonderful morning. It has been so good to be in your presence, to worship you. Lord, to be under the sound of your word, and may our faith be strengthened and our trust and reliance on your word continue to grow and develop. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. 
Lord, may we be hilarious givers, sowing into your purposes and in your kingdom for the advancement of the good news of Jesus. Father, thank you for the body that we are. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to honor you and one another in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, team. It is finished on the cross. Now I'm living in your freedom. Jesus, you have set me free. It's like I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded. By your goodness, I am covered by your grace. My heart is grateful, forever thankful. Jesus, you have set me free. Nothing's gonna hold me back. No, nothing's gonna keep me down. Jesus has set me free, and I'm free. And come on, I will. I will give you praise. With everything I am, I will praise Whatever may come my way You have won the I will give I will give you praise With everything I am, I will praise Whatever may come my way You have won the victory You set me free Come on Praise you, Lord. Hey. Praise you, Lord. Keep praising God this week. We'll see you around.